Hello. It's really a delight to be able to carry on with our series that we've been at over this Christmas period, Light of the World. Last week, Phil opened it up with a message from Genesis, which I recommend you go and listen to if, if you've not done so. And in fact, you would have seen me as part of that service encourage us as a church to be a people that are the light of the world during this time. And it might just be me, but there's been a lot of talk about light recently. Of course, it's Christmas, so there's you know Christmas lights and everything else. But I remember a phrase I heard Boris use not too long ago, which was talking about light at the end of the tunnel. I guess with, with the whole pandemic that's going on and you know, maybe he's given reference to at the time lockdown was going to be lifted, being able to be together at Christmas, maybe a vaccine's coming. It's like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that got me thinking because the message of, of Christmas, in fact, the message of, of, of this book, of, of the Gospels, is, is not just that there's light at the end of the tunnel, because there is, is but actually that there's light in the tunnel, that, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us in the tunnel as well, as at the end, it's a completely different message and it's a message of hope. And so we're going to look at that a little bit today, kind of kick it around using a familiar passage that often gets read at Christmas from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 9. Now, Isaiah, he was a prophet, a spokesman for God. He had a message and his message actually was, was to a people that were kind of drifted from God. They'd been doing their own thing. They'd been caught up in idolatry and evil. They'd, they'd broken their covenant with God. And, and so he has a message of, of really sort of doom and gloom for him about God's judgment that will come in the form of, of invasion by other empires. And, but, but within this message of doom and gloom, there's, there's glimmers, there's, there's a message of hope. And that's what we're going to see in this passage. And so I'm going to start just before chapter 9 and then we're going to read it together now. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will be made glorious, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased in its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppression, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every brute of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fueled for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. I'm going to pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you for the message that's within it. We thank you that it tells us of Emmanuel, God with us. And, and I pray now for all of us. Wherever we are, wherever we're watching this, whether in front rooms or kitchens or bedrooms or out and about, Lord, we pray that you will 
bring a revelation of who you are. Will you reveal yourself to us afresh again through your word today by your spirit? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Isaiah starts this passage basically with, with a contrast. At the end of, kind of chapter 8, you get this message that there's going to be despair and darkness and gloom and anguish. But then right at the start of chapter 9, it's like, but there'll be no gloom. It kind of goes from gloom to, to glory in a way. Like I said, the people of, of Israel, they were kind of walking away from God. They'd, they'd been doing their own thing and judgment was coming upon them. They was in darkness. And, and in the passage, Isaiah refers to that as, as if you like, the former time. He's talking about when they're going to be kind of uh, taken over by the kingdom of Assyria and the kingdom of Babylon later on. In the, in the former time, there's going to be darkness and anguish and gloom. But in faith, he sees ahead to a, to a glorious time, a latter time, is what he says in the text. And in that latter time, there will be no gloom. There won't be anguish in that moment. In fact, it's going to be, it's going to be glorious. It is in a way in, in the region of Nazareth and of Jordan, which... If you know your Bible, actually in the Christmas story, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew actually refers to this passage. Because Galilee and Jordan were regions, were areas that, if you like, were kind of very difficult. They were very far from God. And so it's no kind of surprise that that's where Jesus chooses to start his earthly ministry. Read Matthew 4, that's where it begins. He goes to Galilee and that's where he first preaches the good news. And it's like, it's going to be glorious from Galilee and to the nations. And so you get this contrast from gloom to glory. And then he takes it a step further, introducing this theme of light and dark. He says that the people who walked in darkness, they've seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Right at the start of Isaiah in chapter 2, he's pleading with the people. He's saying, oh, oh, Jacob, oh, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of God. But they don't. They, they choose to walk in darkness. You and I have chosen to walk in darkness at a time and God has brought us into the light. And, and this is the same for, for those people there. So like you were in a land of darkness, but now God has shined the light. When I was a lot younger, when I was a teenager, I remember first going to my first ever camping event, New Day, youth event. And uh, listen, growing up, uh, my family, we're not campers. You know, that, there's some people out there, I know you think camping's a holiday. I don't think it is. You know, it's hard work. But if that's what you've got to do, then, then that's fine. But I know there's also people, they've got all the gear. They've got head torches and, and the right boots and equipment and waterproofs. And we didn't have any of that. And this is the day before iPhones. So I turned up to this event, I didn't have a torch. And me and, my, me and my brother were in this little two-man tent that we sort of commandeered and, and we're, we're in it and I need to go to the toilet in the night. And so I get out, I've got no torch, I'm in this dark field and I just keep tripping over these guide ropes things. I, I don't know where I'm going. I was tempted to, to maybe just, you know, go to the toilet up against the tent or something. But I thought better of it and I, I saw someone with a torch. I saw a light in this and I thought, wow, I went straight to it and I, I used their tool. I asked them, can I borrow your torch? And they obviously showed me where the toilet was. When you're in a dark field and you see a light, suddenly it's, it's like light shines in darkness. Thank goodness for that. That's quite a silly example. But, but as we know, light is always more powerful than darkness. We know that. It doesn't matter how dark it is, when the light shines, you will always see it. And, and it, got, it got dark for Israel. It was difficult for them, but the light shines. Maybe you're in a, a situation, maybe even in your own life, you feel like at times it's, it's been dark, it's been difficult, it's been tough. Maybe you feel like it's kind of been, darkness has been overcoming. Well, light always shines in the darkness. 
the people that were walking in darkness, they've seen a great light. And on them, the light has shined. And that light is going to do a few things, it says in the passage. Verse 3, that it's going to multiply the nations. If you go back into the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 17, verse 5, you get the story of Abraham where God promises him, you will be your father of many nations, that you'll be a descendant of many nations. And it's like that promise is being reignited. He's going to multiply the nations and he's going to bring great joy. There's going to be rejoicing. And that joy, Isaiah compares it to a couple of things. He says it's like a harvest. It's going to be like with a harvest, there's going to be plenty. There's going to be an abundance. I think about Christmas and the feast you have at Christmas, you have an abundance. In fact, I kind of came into a new realm of understanding what abundance was when I married Sylvia um, and I kind of started to get introduced to my mother-in-law, go around there, they're Nigerian. In fact, my mother-in-law, she comes to the church, Ome, she's at the lease site. And uh, honestly, whenever I go there, it doesn't matter what day, what time, there is an abundance of food. And I'll tell you now, you don't know about abundance of food until you've eaten at a Nigerian's house. There is abundance. This joy is going to be abundant for the people. And the other image that he uses is that it's going to be like it's dividing the spoils. It's a victory image, a military image. There's going to be victory. There's going to be an abundance and there's going to be victory. This is what this light is going to be like. There's going to be rejoicing. And that rejoicing, that, that light that shines in the darkness is going to be marked by three things, which is what we're going to look at now in the passage. Three things which literally in the next three verses, verses four, five and six. The first thing, which is in verse four, is that there's going to be a release from oppression. He's going to, the yoke of the burden is going to be lifted. The, the rod and the staff are going to be broken. Think about Jesus when he comes. He says, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not the sort of ruler who's going to lead his people into oppression or use his power to oppress others. No, he says, my yoke is easy. God is the one who says, I'm going to set captives free. We know, listen, there's people even today, there's people groups, there's races. In fact, there's some of us who have experienced oppression in many different forms, in many different ways. God says, no, I've come to break the rod of the oppressor. I've come to break the staff. I've come to lift the burden. That's what this, this is what it looks like. This is what his kingdom's going to look like. That's what light in the darkness looks like. And he compares it to as on the day of Midian. Now, that is a reference to the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. Judges 7 is a brilliant story, if you go and read it, where God takes this army of 32,000 and he whittles it down to 300. And he says, I want you to go and, and to defeat and to, to kind of defeat the Midianites. And how, does it, how do they do it? They take trumpets and they take jars with kind of tea lights in them. And, and this is an amazing victory. And you think, well, why is Isaiah giving reference to that story? Well, well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One of them is that that invasion, that attack that they've done, that, they, that victory, it happened at night time. In the night, Gideon and his 300 strong army, they went with light. Light shines in the darkness. And not only that, that story in many ways, like this story, goes to show it's, uh, it's only God that can do that. How can 300 people win this huge victory? How can that really be done? Only by the power of God. Only he gets the credit. When light shines in the darkness, God gets the credit. It's only God who can do this. And it's the same in the gospel story. It's the same with Jesus. Only because of what Jesus has done can we walk in the light. And so he, that's the first thing that we get, that this joy will look like 
release from oppression. The second thing that it kind of draws out in verse 5 is that it's going to be a victory. That every boot that's been trampling on the weak, every garment that's been kind of in blood, it's like they've got blood on their hands, the oppressors, the people that have put Israel under, they've got blood on their hands, they've used their boots to tread down, it's like they're going to be defeated. They're going to be crushed and destroyed. And not only that, they're going to be used as fuel for the fire, which is quite an interesting phrase. It's almost like the, those that were once the oppressors are now going to serve the oppressed. Let me, let me just explain that by turning to what Paul says in Romans 8. In Romans 8, 35, Paul says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? It's written, for your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, you know, being a Christian today, even today, we can still suffer from persecution. We can still just suffer in general. We can go through hardship and difficult times. Does that mean we're defeated? No, we're more than conquerors. Because even in this day and age, if we go through those things, you might have experienced this. I know I've experienced it myself. When you come up against it, when you come into a difficult season, when you go into a difficult situation, when you feel oppressed or when you feel that you're struggling with something or when you feel persecution, it draws us closer to God. It, it brings us to a place of prayer and surrender. It, it takes us to a deeper dependency on Christ. It, it takes us deeper into him. It, it fuels the fire of our faith. I remember that even when I was kind of, as I was first kind of becoming a Christian and, and going through life, I lost a lot of friends. A lot of my mates were like, oh, you've changed. And I had changed. I was trying to live for God. I, I, stopped, I stopped getting invited to certain things. They started talking about me in, in, in kind of nasty ways behind my back. I was getting excluded and, and it was difficult. I look back on it now and I realise, no, it, it kind of drove me closer to God. It was helping lay a foundation of me saying, no, God, I, I'm going to depend on you. And that's what happens. It's like fuel for the fire. What, what the enemy meant for evil, God uses it for good. It, it fuels the fire of our faith. And that's what Isaiah's getting at here. That's what Paul's getting at in Romans 8. It's like, no, these things, we're more than conquerors because God is with us in all of these things. So I guess a very quick summary is basically is that God gets the victory. That's what he's saying. Through Christ, that he's multiplied the people, he's brought joy, uh, you know, an abundance of joy, that he's, he's broken the yoke of the oppressor and he's released the captives and, he's, and that the enemies of God will even fuel the fire of his people. That is how complete his victory is. But not yet has he explained, well, exactly how will that be? How exactly is all of that going to happen? And this is where he begins to explain it a little bit more and we, and we come to verse 6. Because the third thing is, is the birth of a ruler. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. A gift. That's what the, the Christmas message is about. My nephew Jonah, when he was a lot younger, I remember kind of discovering Christmas with him and, and, and he was asked, I remember he asked one time, why do we give presents? And I remember my brother would say to him, oh, we give gifts because Jesus was a gift to us. 
And that's what we, we will often teach. It's like this gift, this gift of salvation, this saviour is born. And, and, and it's bonkers when you think about it because God's talking about victory and, and, and kind of breaking the rod of the oppressor and, and multiplying the nations. And how does he say he's going to do it? With a child, with a, with a son that will be born, that will become flesh. And that child, the government, is going to be upon his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. In other ways, it's not going to be on Israel's shoulders. He's not saying here that oh, I'm going to give you a great victory and then your kingdom's going to reign and, and be in charge. No, not at all. He's saying the, the government will be on his shoulders, not ours. On his, it's his kingdom. It's his domain. And then we get these titles. It's his kingdom and his kingdom is going to look. You get, we get four images, four words, four titles that is given that, that represent who he is and what his kingdom will look like. The first we get is he can be a, a wonderful counsellor. He can be wise. His, his, his kingdom is going to be full of wisdom. He's wise. The second thing we get is mighty God. I love that. You know, Jesus was, was fully man. Just like, you know, he was a human, just like us. He, he, he came, he was born of a baby. I mean, me and Sylvia, we all said baby Grace recently. And, and even now, people have said it to me before, but it blows your mind when you're kind of changing a nappy and she's so dependent on you. You think, wow, Christ was so humble that he was born as a child and he lived a life. He cried, he, he, he felt emotions, he felt anger and he, he kind of felt hurt. He went through life just as we did. He was fully, fully man in every sense of the word, but he was also fully God. He was mighty God. He's strong and powerful. In fact, so strong that he tramples on the head of Satan and defeats the power of sin and death. As he's crucified, he then goes to the grave and he rises to defeat the power of death again. He is mighty and he is strong. Mighty God. He's the everlasting father. This is not to be confused with the kind of father in a Trinitarian sense. We might talk about oh, the, you know, the kind of, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not what they're talking about here. If you read John 14, you, you'll notice in there that Jesus, sort of, when he's talking to his disciples about going and coming, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. Or if you read Isaiah 53, which is one of the most beautiful chapters in the whole of scripture, Isaiah prophesying about Christ and the journey he's going to go on to the cross. It, it, in verse 10, it talks about us being his offspring. So in this kind of sense, it's like we've kind of come, come from Christ in a way and that it's because of him that our faith has been born. But not only is in that sense is the word being used as father, it's also his character. A father is, is supposed to be caring and, and protecting. He's a protector. When I was a kid, we used to play out on the street a lot, play football. I mean, you don't really see that these days, do you? Kids playing out on the streets. I don't know why that is, but we was playing out. And one time, me and my mate Tim, I remember we was kicking a ball about and I kicked it at this bloke's car. And, and, and he kind of, we saw him pop up out of his window and he saw us. So, you know, we did what anyone would do at that age. We led it. And so we, we ran up the road and we ended up trying to hide in my front garden. I kind of got a brick wall and we hid underneath it. But he found us and, and he came up and he started shouting and he was getting quite shirty and aggressive. And then I remember my dad, kind of, suddenly I heard his voice open from the, the kind of the upstairs window behind us. My dad kind of shouted out the window and, and kind of told him what for really. And, and, and basically the guy sort of retreated and went back down. And I remember being, being a young kid being like, ah, oh, I felt so protected. 
And that story actually reminds me, in, in a funny way, of John 8, when there's a woman who's, who's committed adultery and people want to kill her by throwing stones at her. And Jesus comes in and protects and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let he who is without the sin throw the first stone. You read the gospel stories, Jesus is a, is a protector. He cares. He's mighty God. He's mighty and powerful, but, but he cares. He cares for you. You might have found this season really difficult. You might be looking ahead to Christmas and think this is going to be really difficult. He cares for you. He knows. He, he protects you. He stands with you. He's, a, he's, a far, he's an everlasting father to us. Take comfort in that today. Whatever your situation, whatever your scenario, this almighty God, this wonderful counsellor, is the everlasting father who cares. And lastly, or one of my favourite titles, he's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. His kingdom is not going to be marked by conflict or, 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 or by war or battle. No, no, it'll be marked by peace. He says again in John 14, peace I give to you. He's the Prince of Peace. The king of this kingdom is wise, he's strong, he's caring and he's peaceful. And his kingdom will also be those things. What a beautiful image we get of the light that will shine into this world. And, and of his kingdom, it says there will be no end. It can't finish. Other things, they end. We've seen the sort of fiasco with Donald Trump trying to refuse that his tendency as the, as the president is going to end. It's like, no, no, no. In the end, he's had to say, you know, stop the count. No, no, you are going to you are going to lose. You have lost. Governments get voted in and out. Kingdoms rise and fall. Football teams will win the league. You know, Liverpool won it last year. It gets reset. West Ham will probably win it this year and it'll get reset again. You know, it's how it goes. But his kingdom, it will never end. It will go on and on and on and on. In fact, he establishes it and upholds it where there'll be justice. This has been a year we've seen so much injustice. We've seen it physically. His is a kingdom where there'll be justice and it will reign forever and ever and ever. Just this week, we had, um, had a chimney sweep come round to um, you know, service the washing machine now to clean the chimney. Sorry, I'm... <laughs> bit of a dad now so maybe dad jokes are allowed but we had a chimney and it turned out that I actually it's a father and son business it turns out that I actually knew uh, the son I kind of, kind of grew up and so knew him and, and sort of in the local area and so we just got chatting and it turns out that this has been in the family for 300 years it's like the great 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 grandfather was a chimney sweep and I mean it just blew my mind I couldn't believe it and there's this kind of pressure on him that he's, he's had a son he's like oh, my son's going to have to take it on and there's this pressure that it's like you've got to keep you know kind of having children that are going to choose to want to take on that business but I think they probably all know that eventually there will be someone somewhere where it stops someone will choose I don't want to do that that's not like the kingdom of God and it doesn't go from son to son to son to son. He stays seated on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. Throughout all generations, throughout all people, that's the way that it will be. From this time forth and forevermore. And you know what? It says that the zeal of the Lord, the, the infinite jealousy and passion and desire of God will establish this, will do this. We'll do what? will ensure that his son is enthroned on the throne of David forever and ever. Friends, this year, you know, has been the strangest in many, many years. 
It's been difficult for a lot of us. It's been tough. It's, it's been wearing. It, it's been really strange. But we can take heart in this, that in the face of global pandemics, in the face of injustice, in the face of any kind of suffering or darkness that comes, we know that the darkness is and forever will be defeated and dispersed by the light of the conquering Messiah, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious gift, Jesus Christ. We thank you that for unto us a child was born. And we thank you that because of that, those that were wandering in darkness, now we can walk in the glorious light. We thank you that his kingdom has been established and it will rule and it will reign forever and ever. And I pray will you help that truth come alive to us again more and more throughout this Christmas period. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.